Is your work attire causing a style fever? The cure is clear, my friend. The Pinktastic Scrubs and Accessories from Biscare. Their collaboration with the National Breast Cancer Foundation isn't just a fashion statement, my friend. It's a prescription for change. A portion of each sale supports the National Breast Cancer Foundation. BizCare is thrilled to announce that they're sponsoring this episode of the High Performance Nursing Podcast. Visit liamcaswell.com forward slash bizcare to find your nearest stockist. Remember, the best things in life are worth talking about. Talk to your friends, family, patients and colleagues about breast cancer prevention today. Welcome to the High Performance Nursing Podcast where we seek to coach, educate, and inspire nurses globally to achieve their high-performance potential. Learn from influential clinicians having curious conversations to help you navigate your unique high-performance nursing career path. Join me, your host, Liam Caswell, nursepreneur, coach, and mentor, as we explore how you can create a balanced, high-performance nursing career. Let's do this. Hello everybody, it's Liam here and today I'm going to do a solo episode focusing on how you can resuscitate your CV. Now yes, I know it sounds terrifying, medical emergency please right now for our CVs, but in all seriousness this is what I do with the nurses that I work with within a coaching setting and I figured that it's about time that I disclosed and shared some Liam Caswell coaching secrets on the podcast around how you can better sell yourself within your CV cover letter selection criteria and then interview prep. So those things are all to come. But today we're just going to focus on resuscitating your CV. Now, it's important to recognize that the CV is the entryway into a role. It is a critical part of your application. And what I'm going to share with you is some kind of key issues or areas for change in your CV that might resonate with you whereby you could make a couple of tweaks and maybe you're much more employable. But nine times out of ten CVs do need a full resuscitation. I probably resus my CV every six months, every 12 months I think is what the literature kind of indicates. But in all reality you want to put your best self forward. So I think it's worthwhile spending the time and and investing in in your CV so that you're putting your best foot forward. Now, in saying that, there's a disclaimer. In doing your CV, I must say, and I say this to all the coaching people that I work with, is that you need to set aside a day. It really does take quite a while to get it into a, a space where you're really happy with it. And that would be my kind of first top tip is making sure you have enough time set aside. If you're applying for a job, definitely do not leave it to the last minute because that is catastrophic. Now, before we dive in, a lot of people will say to me, but Liam, you know, I've got jobs with my CV in the past. Why should I, why should I change it? Like it's working clearly. And that's awesome. I absolutely agree wholeheartedly. If your CV is working and you've got it um, to a point where it's really professional and it's really selling you as an individual and making you super employable, great. But most people, if you're really honest with yourself, may need to take stock and stop and think about where they can elevate their the CV to help them land a job. So that time is really, really worth it. Think of it as professional growth time, yeah, CPD for yourself. So when we think about a CV, 
preparation and early recognition, <laughs> do you like that there, early recognition, is critical. So being able to identify that it needs to be updated and then being able to see uh, what areas are potentially need a bit of resuscitation is, is a critical first step. So do be really critical. And at this point, it might be worthwhile asking a peer, asking someone that you know is not going to give you any BS and they're going to just tell you the truth and indicate as to whether or not it is good or bad or needs some work. And then it's about working through the job application that you're about to apply for uh, systematically so that you know what you, you're looking for and, and you know how to compile your CV. So before you actually tackle the CV itself and someone else is reviewing what you've currently got, doing a bit of a gap analysis, I'd like to talk to you about a job hunting checklist that I kind of go through with some clients. And I do this myself. I haven't recently just applied for lots of roles here in Sydney. This is been super valuable for me to really think about what it is I want from a role. So first and foremost, we want to obviously identify your your dream role or your next role, download position description, take note and write down the closing date and think about strategically how much time you have to apply. Now, if you're like me, I'm always on the job board searching. I have some links set up where I get emails from recruiters and from Seek and from LinkedIn. So try and stay abreast of the jobs that are coming up so that you give yourself enough time. Like I said, a whole day just for your CV. Do a bit of research. See if this organization really is a good fit for you. As I've progressed through my nursing career, I've started to realize that it's not just about landing a job and getting my foot in the door and getting new experiences. I think as a generation, certainly my generation, the younger generation, we're actually really starting to look for those employers that are putting their staff first. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nursing is challenging. It is a full-on career. Uh, Why be in an environment whereby you're not going to be supported and looked after when you could find an organization down the road that is really staff-centered? So do your research about the organization. Look into their vision, their values, their mission statement, and see how it aligns with what you want to achieve within your career. Then I'd ask you to consider downloading the latest annual report. Now you might say, oh my goodness, Liam, how boring and tedious. I hear you, but this is a quick scan. Have a quick scan of the last annual report. See how they're tracking. See what their staff culture result are. Maybe have a look at whether or not they're in a positive or negative financial state. You might be able to see some patient outcomes there or some innovation and cultural changes that they might have made. It just gives you an indication as to where the organization's going and where it's been and whether or not you want to jump on that ride. The other thing to think about downloading is a strategic plan. Now, most organizations will have a strategic plan. It may be paired up with their kind of vision, uh, values, mission statement. But the strategic plan is what, what are they working towards in the future? And then you can identify whether or not you can relate to that and whether you can add value. Of course, you can add value, but it's whether or not you can can see yourself really making a positive change or or contributing in a positive way within that organization. I think that's something important to look at. So grab these documents, give them a quick highlight through, pick up some of the key buzzwords that you see that there are some trends around. So do a bit of an analysis of that and then get yourself to a point where you've got a good understanding that this is definitely the organization that you want to apply for. This does apply for graduate nurses as well. I know I can hear you saying right now, Liam, we don't really have an option. We have to apply and we're limited. 
I agree, put all of your applications out there. Don't put all your eggs into one basket. But if there's one particular organization that just speaks to you and you had the best time there as a student, prioritize it and do the homework, do the research. Yeah, Preparation is key to help you land that role. Now, this is something that not a lot of people feel comfortable doing, but I highly, highly, highly advise that you do this. And that's calling the employer. Before you start doing your CV, your selection criteria, and wasting a day or two, three days compiling a resume that's specific to that job, you want to see a couple of things. Give them a call and introduce yourself. And then you want to ask them about the role because you're really interested in working there. Do a bit of research so that you know what the job's about so that you can ask those nitty-gritty questions. You might also have some questions prepared about their culture, how they invest in the staff, what they are looking for. So be, be really direct and forward in a respectful way. What is it you're looking for in this role? And if the description of what they're looking for does not marry up with who you are and what you offer, then you've saved yourself two days. Don't need to disclose that you're not going to apply. Thank you so much for your time. And then, you know, move on. But the alternate to that is that you you call and you give them a lowdown of who you are and what you offer. They tell you what they would like and what they're looking for. And there might be a beautiful marriage there of what they, they're looking for and what you're looking for. And all of a sudden, you've got this kind of boosted confidence so that you know that this is something that you could potentially be doing in the future. And that will allow you to invest the time. It kind of gives you that psychological push to then make the time to apply for this role. Uh, I recently had a chat with somebody about a role here in Sydney that I thought I was punching above my weight for. And I gave them a call and told them about myself. And they were like, oh my goodness, yeah, please apply. You know, we'd love to see your application. So that for me was really reassuring. Um, I didn't apply for that job in the end because of other circumstances, but that was a great acknowledgement to me that I was on the right track, despite my inner saboteur and imposter syndrome telling me, no, Liam, get back in your box. Don't listen to them. And then the last thing really in the preparation stage is about taking a deep breath, pulling all your options together, all of this pre-work that you've done, and then looking at where you go to next. And often the next step is doing your CV. So let's dive into the CV. I hope you're sticking with me. The beauty of podcasts is that you can go back and listen, but I'm hoping this is super valuable. Now, how do you develop a heartbeat skipping CV? I know it's a little bit cheesy, isn't it? But I've got to relate it to research your CV. Bear with me, please. So looking at your CV... Your CV is, like I said, the first impression. Yeah, so the first thing that we really want to make sure is that your CV looks uber professional. And we know from research that's been done between managers, recruiters, employers in relation to CVs is that it only takes about six seconds. You only have six seconds to make an impression. So you've really got to make it count. So those little details that maybe you're not focusing on as much, like formatting, spelling, font, a consistent layout of text throughout the document, all of those things will scream out to an employer and and they definitely do take away from the professionalism of the document. And remember, aesthetic is everything. As human beings, we are so aesthetically driven, most of us. You know, we look at something and we go, oh, that looks nice. It looks expensive. We're going to buy that. The same rule applies to a manager. Yeah, if it looks really well put together, 
they're more likely to then take you on to the next round and say, yeah, we like how this person looks versus a mismatch, mix mash, you know, CV that doesn't look overly beautiful. Okay, so aesthetics count in this setting. We want to make sure that your CV obviously addresses uniquely the the position description. So we do not want to submit ever. We do not ever want to submit a CV that is just generic. Okay. The only time you may submit a generic CV is if you are circulating it just for casual work or something like that. But if you're applying for a full-time, part-time, fixed-term role, you want to make sure that it is uniquely tailored to the job. So how do you do that? Well, you've got your job description that you downloaded. Now is the time to get highlighter happy and pull out that pen and go through the job description and highlight what the key terms are, the key buzzwords and the key themes that you're noticing through the role so that 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 then informs how you compile your CV. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But that's a very useful strategy, not only for CV, but for cover letter selection criteria and interview. So super important. And then we start looking at the structure of your CV. Okay, so we want to make sure that it's no more than two to three pages. If you're a new newbie, if you're a new nurse, welcome. And you want to make sure that it's two, two to three pages maximum. If you've got, you know, five to ten years experience, maybe you can push it onto a fourth CV. Some jobs will allow you up to five. Just read the criteria. Okay, if it says two, do not submit three. They will not. You failed the first test of just following simple rules. So make sure that we've got a CV that's within the page limit. Formatting, I always go narrow margins, okay? So you can set narrow margins in whatever document, document, oh my goodness, what is it? Document, Microsoft Word, Apple Pages, set a narrow page margin so that you can optimize the space. I like to use the header for name and address and, and phone number, email, People love to put phone number and then write their phone number. And I'm just kind of like, I'm sure people will actually know what the number is without you telling them it's a phone number. So I would delete that kind of stuff and just have your number and your email there alongside your address and your name. Point with email is make sure it's professional. Okay, not Liam at HelloKitty.com. I mean, you want to make sure that it's something that's relevant or just you know, your name, a, a Gmail or something is, is perfect. I would not put your work email. Okay. If you're anything like me, I choose not to have my work emails at home because I love work-life balance. And when I did have emails at home, it was horrific. So I would not put my work email down because I might not be at work for three days if I'm working shift work and I may miss a call for interview. And you might just leave yourself short. So use your personal address. In terms of font, obviously size 12 font size is, is size 12 is ideal. However, if you can and you need to be a little bit sneaky, you could drop it down to 11.5, 11, depending on space, okay? Do you know, try not to draw too much attention to, you know, larger font size headings. Make it consistent throughout. So if your font size for your headings is 14, make them all 14 and then make your text 12. That attention to detail will, will take you far, I can guarantee it. Consistency really is the key there. Try to just stick with plain black. The font um, itself, you know, you can be a bit creative with it. Not overly creative whereby, you know, your whole CV is in symbols. <laughs> and you're trying, we've then got to decipher, you know, through ancient historic symbols. But it's definitely something that you can, 
you can play with a little bit, okay? So just make sure that it's legible, yeah? Like a good old prescription. Colors, if you are using colors in your CV, I did say black a minute ago, but if you're using a color, be consistent with that color. Moving on, we would then like to focus on making sure that your CV cover letter and selection criteria come as a professional package. So we do not want to see variations in the style and the formatting and the layout across those three documents. Imagine they're sitting out in front of you and you're an employer. You want to see consistency in the aesthetic, yeah? So we keep talking about how does it look, but of course we want some substance within the aesthetic itself because no one loves, you know, something beautiful with no substance. But we want to make sure that it's it's consistent across all three documents, yeah? Or two documents, whatever you're submitting. And then I like to break down my CV into a couple of different components. So first up is your professional summary. Professional summary is your opportunity to tell a bit of a story about who you are. Uh, usually I say four to six lines as a guide as to how you approach it. So usually it's something along the lines of, I'm an international registered nurse with 10 years of uh, healthcare experience across medicine, ICU, education and management. And then I usually tell them about my background and different specialties I've worked in. I then make sure that I tailor it specifically to the role and make, spin it back to whatever position I'm applying for. And then we might look at postgraduate qualifications or education or ongoing CPD. And then I love to link it back to vision values and mission at the end, making sure that that homework that you did earlier comes in into play. So that's kind of brief guide as to how to write your summary. What you do not want to do is just list, I am great at this, I'm an effective communicator, I am this, I am that, because there's no substance again, there's no actual way of them checking to see that that's correct. So we don't want to kind of give them falsehoods or false impressions, we want to give them something with an example and we'll come to that a bit later. But in the summary, it's your six seconds, remember, it's your quick snapshot, it's your elevator pitch, who are you, what do you stand for, what do you have to offer in relation to the role. And then next is usually professional education as a title, and then slash registrations, and that's where I list my postgraduate qualifications, listing them from most recent to back in the day. Okay, not from back in the day to most recent, vice versa, yeah, so most recent to back in the day. Again, consistency, and this is key. So if you lay out your bachelor's degree, for example, Bachelor of Nursing, comma, University of Edinburgh, comma, March 2020, lay everything out similarly. Okay, so if you've done a TAFE, you might say Diploma of Nursing slash TAFE slash January 2020, uh, just so that it looks really professional. Moving on, we then get into the, the, the fun part. This is where you then list all of your roles. So professional work experience or career history, however you like to frame it. And within here, you then start listing your roles. Yeah, So the same rule applies as education. Lay it out in the same format that you've chosen. So if it's going to be registered nurse, comma, the best hospital in the world, comma, March 2020 to March 2021, keep that the same throughout, okay? Don't change it up for every job. You want it to read really nicely and be really easy on the eye for the employer. As you work through each role, some of the key pitfalls that people fall into is that they start to fall into this trap of listing. And it's one of my kind of pet peeves, hence why I do coaching. <laughs> now, don't worry, if you do come work with me, then um, I, you, know, you don't get in trouble for this. But it's just, oh, it's just very common. 
and people will start to list their duties and responsibilities. So they'll say registered nurse at the best hospital in the world, March 2020, and then they'll put the words duties and responsibilities, and then they'll bullet point them. And they'll bullet point them and they'll say administered medication, delivered holistic patient care, full stop. You get the vibe, yeah? So there's a list of just things that they are expected to do within their role as a registered nurse. And there's problems with that. Because what it tells me is that you, it tells me a few things. It tells me that you can't really articulate what it is you've actually achieved in that role. Um, And as you start to apply for more senior roles, achievements versus duties and responsibilities is going to get you further. Okay, so instead of writing something like administered medications, you could jazz that up and say delivered or administered medications to five to six patients within an acute medical setting whilst adhering to the national standards for medication safety. Now, that is just a bit more elevated. You'll notice there there's a few buzzwords that probably are in the job description because we talked about the national standards. And you're also showing them time management skills, you know, working with five to six acutely unwell patients. So that's complex. So you're sending in a message. So when you're writing your duties, which we don't do, by the way, you're not, you, when you're running your achievements, sorry, rephrase Liam, when you're writing your achievements, we list them as you've actually done them and you tell them what you've achieved. So another example might be demonstrated ability to communicate effectively using verbal and nonverbal skills, particularly in working with palliative care end of life patients. Yeah, so that is a much fuller, brighter answer than just delivered palliative care. Yeah, (laughs) hopefully you're giggling going, oh my goodness, that's what's on my CV and I need to change it. And that's fine. It's better to know now than to submit it. And do you know what? Can I be 100% honest with you? If you submit your CV with duties and responsibilities, I can guarantee you, you're probably still going to interview, which is disheartening because that is not the kind of caliber or the, the level that we kind of expect applicants to be at, depending on where you work. But a role should really require you to address achievements. Happy to dive into achievements a bit more with you if you need some help with that. And then as we work through our CV, we list our roles. Again, our roles go from most recent to to back in the day. And then we go into our uh, potential volunteering hobbies. If it's relevant to the role, absolutely include it. But if it's going to eat up space, then that's a problem. Making sure that your your roles, sorry, just to go back to roles, the roles that you have worked in, making sure that if you've, say, worked in mental health, palliative care and medicine, and you're applying for a palliative care job, each role should have a bit of a palliative care spin on it, okay? Each role should really speak to the highlighted words that you've picked up on in the position description, and you need to scatter them throughout your application, yeah? It's not about lying, because we don't lie. We tell the truth, honest, and we have integrity. But what it is, is about us picking up that the job is expecting you to have excellent communication skills, working in palliative care, but you've worked on those skills in medicine, different aspects of those skills, maybe dealing with conflict and aggressive patients, which you might come across in palliative care. So we've kind of got to sell those transferable skills and really market those skills that you've you've gathered from each one. But also you want to then make sure that your palliative care experience is the kind of key focus within your CV. Yeah, no point in really focusing on mental health when pal care is the job that you're applying for. Does that make sense? So your pal care job 
achievements should probably be a bit longer because you're applying for a palm care job. Hope, hope that makes sense. Then we get down to our referees. I make sure that you have two people or three people that are really going to sell you. Okay, don't put somebody that you're not overly friendly with or that maybe is you've had a bad experience with because um, who knows what they might say. We want to make sure that you put yourself the best self forward. A little tip with the referees is that making sure that you have used a table and hide the borders and then have your three referees sitting next to each other or your two referees sitting next to each other rather than having them stacked because that buys you some extra space on the page. Remember, a space is prime real estate so that you can use it to really write a beautiful summary and then use it strategically for your job achievements. Now, when we think about that CV in five minutes, okay, that's how to construct the CV in five minutes. Of course, in coaching, I go through this really thoroughly with people, and I also do an independent review and then help you work through it. But the key kind of issues that you want to make sure you avoid is wasting space. So, i.e., you know, a sentence and then a space, you know, enter and then enter. So you've got like a line or 1.52 two line spaces between each kind of statement or phrase. It's all just wasting. It's all just wasted space. You need to make sure that you're using it really strategically. Every time you apply for a job, you must, must, must tailor it to the role. No duties, no responsibilities. Reframe them into achievements, yeah? And even better, if you're going for a senior position and you have achievements, you're listing your achievements, Achievements really is an opportunity for you then to sell yourself at a senior level. So if you have delivered education to 30 people, you put that in your achievements. That is something that you should be super proud of. If you have contributed to policy, that's an achievement. If you have led a team of 10 people, that's an achievement. So use the data that you've collected. If you've reduced falls by 50% over a 12-month period, put that in your application as a key achievement. Yeah. And then the biggest, biggest issue and the biggest reason why people come to work with me is because they maybe can't see beyond, you know, their experience. Whereas then when I look at it, I go, well, that sounds to me like you've done this. And wow, you've got this skill. And they go, oh, really? Oh, that's great. Oh, I didn't think of it like that. So it is always good to have somebody to bounce it off so that you make sure that you are selling yourself. Now, it's worth noting that your CV is not going to be perfect first time. As our good old friend Brene Brown says, you need an SFD, a shitty first draft, okay? And that's totally fine. Put all the work into it. Don't worry about page limits at the get-go. Don't worry about how it reads. Don't worry too much about the finesse of it. Get the bones and get the content and good structure and content into the CV. And then you can tidy up all the extra stuff around it that we've gone through today. I hope that's been really beneficial. I mean, that is a crash course in CV writing. A little bit harder to talk through than I thought it would be. But I hope that you've gained something from that that you can take and apply into your CV writing. Of course, if anybody needs any help with the CV writing and would love to receive some coaching, I'm available. Just let me know. You can send me an email, liamgcaswell at gmail.com. And I'd be more than happy to help you land your next nursing role. Until next time, good luck with your CV. Make sure that you get the Met team there to resuscitate it. Chat soon. Thank you so much for listening to the High Performance Nursing Podcast. Please rate, review and subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. 
I would love you to join my online community of high-performance nurses. Join us on Facebook at Liam Carswell or check out my website at liamcarswell.com. Until next time, I have been your host, Liam Carswell, and I am truly grateful for the opportunity to help you build your high-performance nursing career. Be kind to yourself and stay forever curious.